Welcome to the Assurology Show, a growth hacker's guide to human capital management with your host, Mike Vinoy. Each week, we bring you experts in human resources, employment law, accounting, benefits planning, and more to build productive organizations. You'll gain practical guidance for your business. You'll be alerted to the latest news and megatrends that impact small and mid-sized companies. We'll give you the hands-on information you need to stay compliant with ever-changing employment laws, the strategies you need to win the war for talent, and much more. So you can focus on what you do best, growing your business. Enjoy the show. There is a new I-9 form and it has new remote verification rules among other things. Uh, really important topic. This is maybe the most uh, common area where we see clients in, in small business uh, uh, and entrepreneurs get in trouble is the I-9. It's, a dis it, it, it's so simple, yet you gotta get it right. Otherwise it can be so expensive. Uh, got the perfect guest to unpack this with me. If you're a regular watcher of the show, Mary Simmons. Mary is our vice president of HR compliance at Assure. Uh, she's a SHRM certified professional. And for the past eight years, she has been an adjunct professor at the New York Institute of Technology. Prior to Assure, Mary was the director of HR consulting for a 58-year-old HR consulting firm in New York. Welcome back, Mary. Thanks, Mike. Okay, so... I think probably we're going to have a mixed audience here today where some people know exactly what the I-9 is. They know exactly how to do it correctly. Um, but when we did our survey, so uh, many people watching today will, will know and remember, you know, we surveyed 2,065 small and mid-sized companies and we asked them all kinds of questions around HR. Uh, specifically, we asked questions around the I-9. Uh, how do you fill it out? Do you train your managers how to, how to in inspect, how to verify identity? And the results were kind of shocking. We saw a big spread in high-performing companies versus low-performing companies around things like recruiting and employee development and employee retention. But this is an area where seemingly all companies uh, seem to struggle equally, uh, high-performing and low-performing companies, whereas about one in five of all businesses by their own self-reporting, are at risk for doing I-9s wrong. So uh, let, let's step back for five minutes and just, can you just explain what the I-9 is? You know, how, what was the genesis of the I-9? What's its intent and why this is so important? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And like you said, this seems to be such a simple topic, yet uh, we find that a lot of the employers that we support um, do get this wrong. Um, and, you know, that, that's what we're here for to support them. And that's, you know, why we're conducting this webinar for a, for a larger audience. So the U.S. Um, Citizen and Immigration Services, or ICE, um, has the I-9 form to, to be completed by all employers, right? So a lot of times I'll have employers say to me, well, am I exempt? And I'm like, I don't know where you got that idea. It's yeah. all employers in the United States have to fill this out for all of their employees. What it is doing, Mike, it is verifying the identity and the employment authorization of individuals, whether they're a citizen or a non-citizen. So a trick question 
um, that I will have uh, when I'm teaching my SHRM certification class at uh, New York Institute of Technology is I'll say, is the I-9, uh, you know, to prove citizenship for the employee? And, you know, half my audience gets it wrong, right? So you can be a non-citizen but be authorized to work in the United States. And that's right. what it's meant for, Mike, to authorize yeah. employment. And so administered by ICE, this is a, a, an outcome of 9-11, right? And ICE is part of Department of Homeland Security. Do I have that right? It's not out of 9-11. It existed before 9-11. Um, and I guess the only exemption I should mention for employers out there is if you have an employee that was hired prior to 1986, you don't have to have an I-9 for those individuals. But anybody employed after that, you do need an I-9. And then DHS is going to oversee this. So ICE created it, ICE is gonna do the audience, uh, audits, right? And they will come into an employer, Mike. Sometimes they give you three days. That's the most I've ever had an employer have. You have three days to get your I-9s in order and then we'll be back. Um, yeah. But a lot of times they will come in and start auditing right away. And that would be if there was a complaint about the I-9 process. Right, right. Okay, so I confused the 9-11 because this got tucked under Homeland Security, which was an output of 9-11, but uh, it's been there longer. Thank you. Um, and the exemption of employees who have worked for you prior to 1986, boy, that's, <laughs> we're what, we're 35-ish <laughs> years. I mean, there aren't too many of those around, I suspect, anymore. So so right. this is everybody. Um and everybody with a W-2, right? I mean, technically this would include even family members? Absolutely. It includes owners, right? If, if they're an employee. And um, so, you know, if in doubt, please do an I-9. Absolutely, it includes family members. I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. I get that question all the time, which kind of confuses me because I'm like, well, are they employees? Then yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it has to be done within three days of employment. And that tends to be um, also a sticking point. Right. So when we help employers create their onboarding process, right, which is going to include the I-9 form and quite a few other forms, you also have to come up with a process that those forms are going to be filled out. So what we always try to do is suggest that the I-9 information go out ahead of time so those individuals can have time to collect their identification, right? There's different forms of identification that your employees your, the, or your candidates, if you will, um, when they become employees can give you to satisfy the I-9. Um, and sometimes people are like, oh, I don't know where my passport is. Oh, I lost my driver's license, right? So, you know, if people are, let's just say, giving two weeks notice, I like to tell them right up front, once they accept that offer, let's get this process going because you need those forms within three days of hire, Mike, or they cannot start work. Right, right. Yeah, I love the, the, the word choice you use. You said candidates not employees, because 
This is the legal requirement to prove that they are eligible to work, right? And I think this is like, especially in, in the, I'd say, startup, uh, family-oriented entrepreneurial companies, right? Small businesses. It's like, it's my daughter. Of, of course, she's authorized. I don't, I don't need to verify her identity. I, you know, I, I had her, right? <laughs> if, 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 and I know this sounds extreme, but if an ICE agent walked into your door, they don't know that's your daughter working at the, right, uh, say, the front right. desk. Or, uh, they don't uh, care. <laughs> and, they, and they don't care, right? right. Because and, and, you know, somebody could, you know, they just don't care. Somebody could easily lie and say, oh, that's my mom. That's my daughter. I mean, there, there's a million right. reasons why they don't care and it's not their job. It is your job as a business owner to do it for all candidates to verify their identity, fill out the I-9 to, to prove that they, that they can work for you. So it really is that simple, right? Exactly. And, and hopefully if, if, you know, our audience has listened to the other webinars you and I do, the one word I use all the time is consistency. You have to be consistent, right? The, the, the federal government's telling us every employee has to have an I-9, right? And I'm going to, you know, back that up by saying you have to be consistent. You can't say I'm going to fill out I-9s for everybody else, but my family members you don't have to fill out the I-9, right? So from an right. internal standpoint, that's creating inconsistencies. Externally, you're still going to get fined on that. That's that's not an excuse that they're a family member. All right. So, so, so let's jump to the meat. Um, it's changed. Now, yes. candidly, it's a super simple form. So there's not a heck of a lot to change, but it did change uh, uh, three things that I think I want to talk about today. One, it got simpler. We went from two pages to one. Let's talk about why and what that might mean for someone. Uh, uh, n- number two, uh, this topic, it's its less common perhaps, but around translators, right, uh, for, for, yes. for non-English speaking. Um, and then I think the, the, the biggie that probably most people are going to care about is uh, this new pilot program around n- people not using E-Verify. C- can they use E-Verify? If they're not using E-Verify, what, it's how do you, how do you, how do you verify identity for remote employees? Cause the remote trend was happening as the continuum was long before COVID COVID yes. accelerated like crazy, but now, I mean, remote work is just a, a standard thing in the I-9, I think was, it was pretty far behind. Yeah, in, in yeah no, it, it definitely was, up. Mike. I We have lots of clients that even before, you know, the pandemic, they had, you know, a salesperson, let's just say, in 10 different states. How right. are they going to verify that I-9? Now, there are ways to do it, right? You can um, go to a notary and, and have the information notarized. But you're right, you know, the, uh, I'm really... Um, happy that they've made some changes to help with remote. So let me back it up for a second. So first of all, the new form came out August 1st. So it just came out and employers must start using that form no later than October 31st, 2023. So this year, look, I'm just going to say because I'm process driven and I want to make sure everybody's compliant please just start using the, the new form now. <laughs> I'm no not quite not. sure why we'd wait, but so yeah. I'm just going to say that, but um, you have until October 31st. 
So those are sort of the basics. Okay. So the second thing is, like you said, it's gone to one page. Now, if anybody's an HR nerd like me, it used to be one page for a very long time. Um, every couple of years, you know, there's new iterations of the form. Now, the last form that we had is, of course, expired because they've been trying to change it for a while. Um, I think it's I think it's almost a year expired, um, but that's the only one that we that anybody could use. And the one thing about that form that they had changed, Mike, is that every single cell, every area on that form had to have something in it. So in other words, if there was a, if there's a space for first name, middle name, last name, and the candidate um, does not have a middle name, you had to put N-A, not applicable, okay? Yeah. The new form is not quite as stringent. And that sounds like a really small change, um, but it's not from my point of view. When we do I-9 audits, we are always up to date on what are the ICE auditors looking for, right? Because right. we have right. a relationship with those auditors and I will call them and say, hey, yeah. <laughs> what are you looking for? What has changed? Um, it, because they change what they look for with the form. And sometimes those little details, Mike, will get you because they could fine you on the old form if there was a space blank. Sounds a little crazy, but that's what 100%, 100%. And, and, and that <laughs> actually happens. You might, think we're be, we're, you might think we're being melodramatic here by simply not putting NA, think, well, this person, you know, like if it, culturally, I would think, well, everybody has a middle name. That's because everybody I've ever known always has a middle name. We're in a diverse world. Not everybody has a middle name, right? And so you hire someone right. who doesn't have a middle name. My husband oh, doesn't. I'll just leave, just leave that yeah. blank. You literally, yep. and I'm not exaggerating, you literally just broke the law doing that. Now, are you going to get fined? I'm not, we're not saying that you're going to get fined. But you just created a flag that if an ICE agent ever walked in and audited you, it's like, huh, they're not following process here. Let me dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. And I will tell you, I've had employers get fined for those open spaces. And that's a that's a hard, uh, you know, learned, you know, and that's going to be a relatively small fine. But they they add up and we're going to talk about penalties in a minute. But let's talk about what has changed. Yeah. The other thing that I think is important so I think employers might be saying, oh, now it's down to one page. You know, what what did they take off? Like, how did they do that? So yeah. if you remember, if the audience remembers the first page at the bottom, there was a place to put the information for a translator. So if the individual that you're hiring um, cannot read English, um, they can use a translator, but the translator has to sign their name and give some um, information, you know, print their name, sign their name, etc. Well, that has moved to a separate form. So if you have, if the individual needs a translator, you will have a separate form that you can fill that out on. So that's something that I don't want employers to forget that they use, you know, that there, if there's a translator being used, that that you use that second form and you fill that out. So that's another thing that has changed. Now, 
to me, the most significant thing that changed is um, you talked about remote work. This is a way of life, I think, going forward, definitely after after the pandemic. It's but as never, I mentioned, it's never going back the other way. It's never going be, back the other way. There will always be local work. Bricklayers and, and uh, cooks uh, need to be on site to do the job. But increasingly 100%. more and more jobs. Yeah. Increasingly more Agreed. and more jobs don't have to be anywhere Agreed. geographically located. And employees. Yeah. This is not changing. Right. And, and you know, as I said, we have many uh, clients um, I think that's that's you know probably why there are clients. A lot of of organizations realize they don't know what they don't know, so you know they're getting supported by Assure because we're a national company. They have all these you know salespeople or a small remote office in different states. Yeah. I'm telling you, Mike. In the past, they'd fly the people in. You know, then they started you know using notaries. Um, and you know that can be time consuming. It can be a turn off to new hires, right? right. So, what the um, Department of Homeland Security (DHS) is doing is they have a pilot program right now, Mike. That is called, you know, they don't nothing short, right? So, non e verify remote documentation examination. Okay. So, what do all those words mean? <laughs> Right now with the new I-9 form, if you're an employer that has remote employees and you're not signed up for E-Verify currently, and I'll get back to E-Verify in a moment and explain yeah. it thoroughly, you can utilize this pilot program and use E-Verify only for your remote employees for the pilot program. To be accepted into that pilot program, Mike, you can't have north of 500 employees. So it's for an employer of less than 500 employees. Additionally, if you're part of that pilot program, you're going to have to do some reporting to DHS. And the reason for that is they're very transparent about it, right? They're testing this out to see if this makes sense to go forward as a formal program to verify remote employees. It makes a lot of sense, Mike. Let's talk about what E-Verify is. Yeah. E-Verify is a system that the federal government created for electronic verification through a federal database for the I-9 identification of new employees. So we had done a, a webinar on this. So I want to point everybody right. to more information on that, or you can just call yeah. me and I can walk you through it. But E-Verify is mandated today for federal contractors, right? So those are yeah. organizations that have a, a contract with the federal government of $10,000 or more. And there's a couple caveats to that. So it's not um, inclusive of just those employers. And it's utilized again to verify identification. So the government is basically saying, Mike, well, if you're gonna do business with us, we want you to, to, to make this extra check and use E-Verify uh, system to, to check that identification. And I will tell you, it is 
also mandated in 20 plus states. It's 20 states right now, but a, a couple are adopting it later this year. Um, and there's different, you know, thresholds, right? So, yeah. you know, one state might say it's only for employers of 25 employees or more to use E-Verify. And then I have plenty of employers, Mike, that say, I wanna be doubly safe, right? I want to use E-Verify because if ICE comes in to do an audit, I want to feel secure uh, that the identification that I received from my uh, candidates are, you know, legitimate and, you know, meet that I-9. So yeah. there are a lot of employers that have adopted this free system that is very easy to use, Mike. It's, you know, three fields, you know, it's really not any more time consuming. You, you still have to fill out the I-9 form, uh, but there's a couple more steps, right? To just to put in the information for the identification that the employer, uh, that the employee slash candidate gave. Um, the other requirement to be part of this pilot program is that the employer keeps hard copies or electronic copies of the documents that the employee gave them. So as you know, if if I'm an employer not using E-Verify and, and I just, I hire you to my organization, Mike, I don't have to keep a hard or an electronic copy of your identification. I just have to take that, um, you know, non-expired identification, fill out my I-9 utilizing those forms, but I don't have to keep copies. If I keep copies for some consistency, I have to keep it for all of them. But no. I, you know, that's not a mandate. So that's a lot of information. Yeah, um, I'm gonna try. There's a lot, lot to unpack there. Um, good. So, so in the past, you didn't have to keep the identification. So you didn't have to keep the copy of my passport or my driver's license or my my whatever I used for, for a valid identification, how did, in an audit situation, how would ICE know that you properly verified that identification? Or is it simply just having it in the I-9 alone was enough? Having it in the I-9 alone was enough. Now, I have many employers who do keep the identification, so that's fine also. You know, what I say to employers is either way, again, you just have to be consistent. Keep the forms don't, or, or for everybody or don't keep the forms. But in my mind, whether you're keeping that identification, uh, a copy of that identification um, hard copy, which, you know, let's face it, storage wise, et cetera, that can be a little cumbersome or you're keeping it electronic. Now you have a little bit of a security thing, right? If you were breached either way, security-wise, and somebody got a hold of those identification for your employees, you're going to be liable to an extent. So I've never kept the identification. But if you're part of this pilot program for verifying remote authorization, uh, you have to keep those forms. And that kind of makes sense, right? Because they're like you're, they're doing it remotely. So I, I think that's a really important clarification we need to pound, pound home here that, 
So in the past, and, and I'm not a lawyer, neither are you, but a, a lawyer would probably advise you keep as little documentation as is required by law so that you that you would pass an audit. But like you said, if I'm keeping copies of social security cards and passports and driver's license, and I'm thinking, well, it's just digital, it's just in, in, in some shared folder. Well, if, if that ever got hacked, now all of a sudden you got exposure for personal identity out there. So a lawyer would probably advise keep as little as possible in the old world, but for remote employees, if you're going to do this, and if and this is, a, correct me if I'm wrong, this is if you're not using E-Verify, if you're going to use the new pilot, verifying the identity identity of a remote employee, not identity, but the verifi- verifying their eligibility to work, then you must keep that form of ID. Form of ID correct. Right? So that pilot program, you know, comes with a couple of additional requirements. And and again, DHS is is pretty transparent. And they're saying, we're going to collect data during this pilot program to see, you know, are there more errors when we're verifying remotely? Or is there, you know, the same amount? And my guess is, look, uh, my guess is that E-Verify is going to be mandated for all employers in the near future. I've, I've been saying that for years. And now that you see 20 states have already adopted it as man, yeah. mandatory, I think they know it's coming. Um, but for this pilot program, I think uh, they want to just see, you know, how does this work for remote employees? And can we get a comfort level that verifying remotely, but using E-Verify we don't have a lot of errors. And that makes that makes sense to me. Yeah. This is, a common, this is a common theme we're seeing in what I would say the broader HR compliance landscape, whether it's uh, uh, FLSA rules. So there's obviously federal FLSA rules around minimum wage and overtime, but increasingly more and more states and even local jurisdictions have their own versions of these laws. <clears throat> um, you're roughly Correct. half the states mandate uh, E-Verify now. I just can't imagine that this slows down. I, I see this continuing to accelerate. Uh, to me, the only question uh, questions I would have is, when is it mandatory by all states? And do, do we ever get to a single national standard? I don't know if that will happen, because um, I think the national standard is the I-9, uh, the requirement of E-Verify, you know, different states, you know, everybody has their own way of doing things. Might Just like to your example, maybe it's they only want to require it for, say, these industries or employers yes. of X size, right? I agree. I agree. One more change, Mike, that I want to mention on the new form. They added to the section, which is section um, where they list the acceptable documents. I thought that this was really good. Um, They added acceptable receipts. So what those receipts may be that I lost my license, but here's a copy from DMV, Department of Motor Vehicle, that says I've applied for my new license. There are some, and that's just an example, there are some acceptable receipts that a potential employee can give um, to allow them to start work 
right? But you have to let go of them if that license never materializes, right? Or whatever they got the receipt for. So they did change, besides changing the form itself, they changed some of the description for the identification they can take. They added a section for people who are under the age of 18. What can they present, right? Because they're not going to have the same identification maybe that you or I have. And they added acceptable receipts, like I lost something, but I did apply for a replacement of that, you know, lost or stolen identification. Yeah. So they, they did add, you know, um, to the instructions as well as the form was changed. So Mary, I think I just want to make sure we're crystal clear on uh, the new pilot for non-E-Verify remote verification. Correct. Versus just using E-Verify. Prior to this rule change, could I hire remote employees in simply in, in, in simply use E-Verify? If I or or, or go ahead. You could, but because if you remember, it, the remote verification um, kept getting extended and it just ended. Your ability as an employer to verify remote employees' identification and authorization to work in the United States just expired. And there was all kinds of, of rules around that. So that just expired. Now, uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, there was no regulations for approving remote work, right? You yeah. could, you know, get that done by, you know, a notary, get, get it, get authorization. Um, but there was really no, ICE was silent on verifying remote employees. I will tell you that some of my employers would have their new hires fly in to the closest office or drive to the closest office to show their identification. Pandemic changed that. They did, you know, come out with some rules and regulations. This is how you verify remote employees. But they said, Mike, when these regulations are over, you need to see that paper, that authorization identification in person. Mm -hmm. So they weren't saying forever, that's okay, that person's authorized. They were saying eventually you have to see the identification. What they're saying now is completely different. They're saying on a pilot program process, you can verify remote employees, whether you're using E-Verify for everybody or you only wanna use it for your remote employees for this period, we're going to allow you to do that, uh, but we're not saying it's a permanent process. It's a pilot. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that's given them the ability to, you know, wheel it back in case when they do all their data collection, they find, wait a minute, there was too many errors uh, not seeing that identification in person. So, so you know, it so makes sense to me. So I'm trying to, and I'm trying to get to the distinction between E-Verify and the new pilot. Because the old, because the pandemic rule is now expired, this isn't as simple as I can simply now use, oh, 
I don't need to be part of this pilot program. I'll just use eVerify and therefore I don't have to do the follow the same steps for verification or, or do I have that wrong? No, you're 100% right and thank you for making that that distinction. You need to be part of this pilot program um, and make sure because they're only going to allow you to do this as part of the pilot program if you're giving them the reporting. They're going to ask you how many people did you hire remotely? They're yeah. going to ask you to fill out a report, right? So that's yeah. going to be a link when you go to the eVerify site that we're going to, you know, give the link to, you know, everybody on this that listens to the webinar. We're going to make that available. So when you go to the eVerify site, this you'll be able to sign up for that pilot program. Just because you're using eVerify does not mean that you can now verify everybody's employment um, remotely. Right. And to me, that's like the big thing that we got to get really clear here. I think... And in a, in a generally almost always err on the side of uh, the, the, uh, the small business employer, you know, makes mistakes accidentally. It's never on purpose, almost never on purpose. Uh, this is an area where, man, for, for the last you know, few years here, oh, remote employee. Oh, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'm exempt. Or maybe you didn't know you were doing it wrong the whole time. You just happened to never get caught. You have to follow the rules here in simply using E-Verify does not exempt you from properly verifying the uh, uh, eligibility to work, not citizenship, eligibility to work of an employee remotely. Absolutely. Is that right? yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And, and so I'll, I'll double down on what you said. Uh, whether you watch this live, we'll send it in the, in the follow-up. If you watch it from our website, you'll see online or uh, if you're however you consume this as a podcast or on YouTube or, or, or whatever, we'll have uh, uh, in the in the show notes, we'll have links to the new i9. We'll have link to uh, two other webinars, one you know where you and I spent a full hour just unpacking what the i9 is, why it's so important. Uh, another one just on e-verify that we did uh, the, the, the same and then a link to the uh, the, the site where people can enroll into the pilot program. So we'll, we'll include that for everybody. Perfect. Okay. Um, I do want to talk, I don't want to unnecessarily scare people, but I want people to understand the consequences of getting this wrong. So I want to talk penalties. Is there anything else that you think everybody needs, needs to know about what the I-9 is, what the changes are, what's required? You know, forget newness. This is, right, this is right. the new world going forward. What do people need to do when they hire remote employees as it relates to I-9? I would say two things that I want to make everybody aware of. Number one, this in my mind would be a really good time to do an I-9 audit. So, and I just want to be clear, you don't have to go back to all of your current employees and have them fill out this new form. It's only for people that you hire from this point going forward. Okay. Yeah. Or to be perfectly clear from October 31st, 2023, going forward, you have to use this new form. So don't think you have to go back and, you know, use this new form for your pat your employees that are already with you. So that's one thing. The other thing is that I-9 audit is very important. We do them all the time. When I do them for an organization with 
just the business owner doing the I-9s or their managers, or whether I do it for an organization that has a large um, HR staff that is, is doing I-9s, I always, and, and I rarely say in HR, I, I rarely say always or never, I'm gonna say in my 30 year career, every HR um, I-9 audit I've done, I found errors. I just had an employer on the phone that said that <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe, but they said, we need you to come in because our last two HR people, we had two HR people, they were filling out the I-9 and then they were throwing it away. They did not keep anything. So you might think you have HR professionals and they may think they know what they're doing, but everybody's human and everybody makes mistakes. So number one, I would do an I-9 every year, at least every other year. And oh, by the way, and this is, you know, somebody other than the person filling out the I-9s should be doing the audit because you can't catch your own mistakes, right? Because you made that mistake probably unknowingly. Um, so that's important. And the second thing that I would say, Mike, is you need to do a training, certainly because we have a new form, you need to do a training with whomever fills out the I-9s. So that could be your yeah. HR staff, that could be remote managers, right? So we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of chain, uh, you know, uh, franchises that we help. So they have, you know, a lot of, you know, little stores or, or food establishments and that those managers fill out the I-9 mic, they have to get training. We, we need to give them the tools to do this right because they don't get the fine, we get the fine. Right. So right. the organization gets the fine. So give them training on how to complete an I-9 properly. The other thing you have to be careful of, Mike, is we don't want to be discriminatory, right? So you got to be part of that training that we give is, Mike, don't take identification and say, I think this is wrong. I don't think you're really from the United States. This says your your passport is a U.S. Yeah. So we, we just have to train our managers right. uh, to fill out those I-9s right and protect the organization. As far as which, the fines which, go. Which is, which is why you have to be you know, all one of the standards in HR is if you do something for one person, you got to do it for everybody. Just just for be, be consistent. Right. Because. Even if you don't mean any harm, when you, when you think immigration, you think ICE, there's instantly stereotypes pop in mind, uh, uh, you know, where, you know, a person of color that maybe is born in a different country could feel slighted, like maybe you are discriminating and maybe you're not. But if they feel that you are and they report you and then you get audited you got to have it right for everybody. Otherwise, yeah. you're subject to all kinds of things, anywhere from EEOC claims to wrongful termination claims to whatever. The Pandora's box just gets opened up. So the, the punchline is here, just be consistent. It's not just do it right, but do it right the same way every time for everybody. Agreed. And, and I'll give you an example. One of the employers <clears throat> that we were assisting, you know, to get ready for an I-9 audit, you know, we noticed that they took three pieces of identification from a couple of 
uh, candidates, now employees, and they happened to be an organization that kept copies of that identification. That's how I saw it, obviously. And I said, why did you take three pieces of identification from Michael? And the manager was like, because I didn't trust him. So that's discriminatory, right? right. So, you know, these agencies talk to each other, right? So, so later when you fire Michael, in, yeah. And so later when you fire Michael, maybe for completely legitimate reasons, uh, you have documentation where you have discriminated against Michael. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you have to be careful about that and consistent. So the fines are real, right? And the fines will be for not completing the form properly, not uh, retaining them properly, right? So three years or one year, whatever, uh, three years from date of hire or one year um, after termination, whatever is longer is the retention, right? So you can't just, you know, rip the form up after somebody leaves. There is a retention um, mandate. And so the fines for some of those things are $100 to $1,100 per individual I-9. So maybe employers, and I've had employers say to me, nah, Mary, all right, I can afford that, right? I'm not going to, I think you're making, you know, too much out of this. But I will tell you, Mike, that employers that knowingly hire or knowingly continue to employ unauthorized workers, yeah. Yeah. those are civil penalties. And those are 250 to 11,000 per violation. Yeah. And you might say to me, well, Mary, I feel like that word knowingly, which is, you know, stated twice in the, you know, on the ICE site. Well, the employer might go, oops, I didn't know they were unauthorized. Well, if you didn't do I-9s for any of your employees, that's going to be a willful violation. They're going to say you knew or should have known, right? I always yeah. use the example. You intentionally didn't know, yeah. right? Yes, right. And there are, you know, I, I've said it before. There are employers that we start to work with, right? And this is, you know, one of the things we start with a handbook and, and move to an HR assessment. And I have had employers recently, Mike, I'm not talking years ago, I'm talking recently, or like, I-9? What's an I-9? Right? So, you know, in, um, companies are have their head down trying to make money, you know, maybe they haven't heard of an I-9. Maybe it's a new business owner. There's lots of reasons. Um, but it will not be a defense. Ignorance is not a defense here. No. Those I-9s have to be filled out for every single employee or, uh, you know, and I think all the fines are bad. And I've talked about it on our other webinars. I have had employers go out of business because of these fines. They're real. Yeah. <clears throat> this is one of those things I think as you, so many people, you hang out a shingle, you start out as a, as a solopreneur, you're grinding, your first employee might be a family member, then it's a friend of the family, and then it's a former colleague, and you find yourself running a, a, a business with five or more employees, and you didn't even, you've, you've heard of the I-9, you just, you, you, you assume that had to do with, uh, you know, 
didn't apply to you, right? It's it nice. is. I, I want to say maybe for people like us who live in this world every day, it's shocking to us. I think it's understandable how so many employers just don't realize it. We are not making too big of a deal of this. If, if for no other reason, it's not burdensome. This is easy. It's simple. It's a one-page form. If they're remote employees, you sign up on the website. We'll give you the link. This is not hard. It's just simply the law. In the same way, you're not going to tell the officer or the judge, hey, I didn't know the speed limit changed from 65 down to 45 as I crested the hill. You're getting the ticket, right? I mean, ignorance of the law is no excuse here. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Mary, anything you want to say in closing? I just think that this does, you know, we always say that this is probably going to be one of the drier, you know, webinars that we give, um, but it is really important. There's there's not a lot of federal laws out there or, uh, you know, regulations that apply to every single employer, even if you have one employee, this is one of them. Please follow it. Please call us if you have questions. It, it is simple, but it's, you know, not to be ignored and not to be focused on. And it, you need to do an audit and you need to do training. Yeah. And you know what? We do our very best to make this show helpful and valuable information to share, whether you're a customer of ours or not, whether we ever talk to you again, hopefully you get value from this information. Uh, we'd also love to help. This is exactly what Mary and her team does is they do these audits, they make sure that people get trained properly, that you stay compliant in these areas. So uh, if we can help, by, by all means, we'd, we'd love to. So let us know. Mary, enjoy talking to you as always. Have a wonderful day. And Thanks, to everyone Mike. else, we will talk to you next week. Thanks. At Assure, we build human capital management software and services that help 90,000 companies like yours attract, develop, and retain great people. Our low upfront costs and affordable subscription model allow you to save cash to invest in things that drive growth, not overhead. To learn more about how Assure can help you claim up to $26,000 per employee with the Employee Retention Tax Credit, automate your payroll, and build productive teams that are compliant with ever-changing HR laws, visit assuresoftware.com.